Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app, our website, for ways to give. Yeah. Can we just put our hands on our hearts for a moment? And I don't know what your week's been like. I don't know what kind of hurt and pain you've been carrying with you. But I do know, Jesus, that you are bigger than all of the stuff. I do know that your word um, gets to the secret in the deep places of our hearts. And that's what we ask that you would do right now, God. Get to our hearts how we need you. We just com- confess our dependence on you. And we say that we need your word. And, and uh, we just pray that your word would, would cut deep this morning like a, like a surgeon, not to wound us, but to do good surgery on us, to heal us. And Holy Spirit, just come and be the oil. Just come and mend us and put us back together now. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and move. God, just put us back together. Thank you. Let us see Jesus rightly, I pray. Give us supernatural eyes to see the real Jesus this morning. And the hearts of every single person surprise us with the greatness and the goodness and the beauty of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm doing a two-week series that I started last week called Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, Really, it's a series on incarnation. It's a Christmas series. And I want to recap a little bit about what we talked about last week. But before I get into that, and we're going to turn to Luke chapter 2 again, especially verse 11. But before I read that, um, I do want to tell you this, that sometimes I make some preaching mistakes Uh, Or often I make preaching mistakes, but sometimes the mistake that I make is I try to cover too much, too many passages in in one message and things get a little crazy. I'm probably doing that again this morning because there's so much in the scriptures starting in the Old Testament and continuing to the New Testament that we need to hear about Jesus. And I'm willing to to, to try to bite off a little more than I can chew this morning because I'm seeing Jesus gotten wrong in culture and even in the church. Um, uh, A few years ago, we bought a a puppy. His name's Champ. He's a golden doodle, and he's he's fuzzy and cute, and you've heard the stories I've told about Champ, how I've accidentally shocked him. Don't report me to PETA like some of you have have, uh, threatened, Uh, but, uh, you know, he's been a wild but fun dog, and Ashley, now that he's four years old, he's a really good dog, the best dog I've ever had, but I remember when we first took him to the groomer, um, we sent him there very fuzzy. He was sent back to us shaved, all right? Anybody ever experienced that pain before? And honestly, when, when he came back to us shaved, he looked like a completely different animal. Like, honestly, like I, I didn't even recognize him as my dog. Like, I, I, I would recognize a fluffy, cuddly, you know, dog that can't really even see because he's so, he's so fuzzy, right? And he came back to us shaven down, so we got to see how he actually is, all right? When my kids saw Champ, shaven, they started crying and said, send him back, send him back, we don't want him, all right? And I believe that sometimes, guys, I believe that sometimes in the church or sometimes in society, even out of the church, even historically speaking, we construct a Jesus that isn't actually Jesus, a fuzzy Jesus, the kind of Jesus that we like the most, the kind of Jesus that makes much of us, the kind of Jesus that puts us first, the kind of Jesus that is not scary, the kind of Jesus that the Bible doesn't actually speak to, all right? 
And that kind of Jesus, often we say, put him back. We don't want that Jesus. We want the fuzzy one, not the real one. And guys, uh, I was at a giant grocery store yesterday, and I saw Jesus on the front cover of National Geographic magazine. And while I'm excited about that, I don't know if Nat Geo has the inside scoop necessarily on who Jesus is. All right? So guys, there's lots of confusion, there's lots of conversations, there's lots of stuff, but there's real, only one place to go for the real Jesus, and that is the Bibles that hopefully you're holding in your hands, all right? And so we're going to open them today, and I just, I want us to hunger to know Jesus, but for who he actually is, who the Word of God says that he is. And so we're going to open the Bible today. Uh, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2, and then I gave a lot of verses to the guys in the back. Let's thank God for the guys in the back serving back there. And we're going to get through this uh, today, but we're just going to look at Jesus starting in the Old Testament, but who Jesus actually is. So in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, this was a story where angels come, and they, at the, on the night that Jesus was born, they are reporting his birth to shepherds. All right, and one of the things that they say about Jesus is Luke chapter 2, verse 11, and they say this, For unto you is born this day... And the city of David, that is so significant, I do not have time to do it. Study that on your own. And the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now the angels are announcing who has been born, not by name, but by title. And there's three titles here. This, is, this was the emphasis of my message last week. There's three titles here. They're all massively significant. The first title is Savior. You see that? Uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, all right? Savior is not the name of Jesus. Savior is the title of Jesus according to the angels here in Luke chapter 2. So Savior is a declaration that, that this baby born is not a but the fulfillment of messianic prophecy. In other words, th this baby is born to save, all right? He is the Savior, of the world, all right? So that was title number one. And then we talked about title number two, which is, is this, a savior who is Christ. Stop right there. Christ is not Jesus's last name, all right? And we said this last week. It's not Jesus Christ. Jesus being the first name, Christ being last name, that is not it. Christ is a title. It's his title. It means the, not a, but the promised Messiah, all right, the long-awaited Messiah, all right, this is who has been born to you this day. In other words, all of the prophetic uh, prophecies, all the Messianic prophecies uh, that are ancient, going all the way back to Genesis 3, and, and, and since then, all of those prophecies have been, been pointing to this person on this night. The Christ has been born the Messiah, the anointed one. And then it goes on to say this, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ, the Lord. Not a Lord, but the Lord. Man, is, is this not startling here? So angels are announcing that Jesus is not only the savior, Jesus is not only the long-awaited Messiah, but this baby who has been born in a stable is the Lord, meaning God himself, not a Lord, but the Lord. Now, this is really, really, really important. We see this. Would you flip backwards once to Luke chapter 1, verses 35 to 45? And I'm going to read a beautiful passage here. This is now 
Um, we're going to pick it up here. We're going to you know, go back in history a little bit. We're going to pick it up here where an angel is talking to Mary. And actually, let's be crazy here this morning. Let's start with verse 34, not verse 35, right? Let's be wild. And it says this. Here the, the angel is talking to Mary. It says, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Well, she's asking, how am I going to be pregnant? How am I going to give birth to the Christ child since I'm a virgin? And look at verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, listen to this, the Son of God. Look at verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, Elizabeth was Mary's cousin, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let's keep going. In those days, Mary arose. So in, in which days? In, in the days coming right out of, of what she just experienced, the angelic, uh, the angelic visitation and just this word that was laid down on Mary. So in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah. This house of Zechariah is Elizabeth's house. Zechariah is Elizabeth's husband. They're both, they're both way too old to have children, all right? So she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. Now, the baby in Elizabeth's womb is John the Baptist. Not John the Apostle, not John the Revelator, John the Baptist, who would be the cousin of Jesus, uh, who would be the, the forerunner of Jesus, preparing the way for the Lord through a baptism of repentance, all right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 42. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me? Now, really pay attention to these words here, all right? Really, uh, you know, really press into this. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, that's John, leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I want to break into this a little bit this morning because it is in the same vein of who Jesus actually is, okay? So we read this. It's the story of Elizabeth and Mary. It's, at, at, uh, it's after a lot of revelation has been poured out on Mary and Elizabeth as far as what God is doing. And there's some significant points here. Here's point number one. Mary's child is the Son of God. You see that? You see that in verse 35? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born, that's Jesus, will be called Holy, the Son of God. All caps. All right? You guys tracking with me here? So this Mary's child in Mary's womb is the Son of God not born through natural means or not conceived through natural means. This is supernatural. It's, it's incarnational, all right? This is, Mary's a virgin, all right? That is, it is not natural for virgins to give birth to babies. She's the only one. She's the, she's the first one. This baby was conceived through supernatural means, all right? 
All right? Everybody clear on that? Number two here, though, is that here's another significant point, that Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, has conceived a son. Now, this was a miraculous conception, but it was through natural means. All right? It was miraculous because Elizabeth was too old to have a baby, but uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias still had this baby through natural means. It was miraculous, though, because God is like reverse engineering time here. All right? So everybody can say, wow, right? So John the Baptist, who was born to Elizabeth and Zechariah, was a great man, but he was not God. All right? His parents were both humans. All right? Jesus, born to Mary, is the Son of God because his, his father is the father of all. You see this? All right. So, uh, and then here's my third point on this passage, that Elizabeth gives good theology on Jesus and Mary. How many people would say, we need some good theology on who Mary actually is, and listen, and who she is not? All right? All right, I would say that. Look at verse 43 and 45 for a moment. I want to read this again. It says, and why is this granted to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Do you see that? Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Guys, there's so much stuff in here. It's so rich. But here, listen to this. The baby in Mary's womb is my Lord. Elizabeth recognizes that the baby in Mary's womb is her Lord, the Lord. All right? Now, how could that be? This baby isn't even born. This, this baby is, is maybe, maybe a few weeks old in the womb of Mary. Well, Elizabeth is recognizing what is happening to Mary, that this child is the, in, is the incarnate Son of God. All right? And that is, what, that is evidence when Mary speaks. It's like John the Baptist jumps for joy in the womb of Elizabeth because he's like, hey, my Lord is in there. The one I'm forerunning for, he's in there. My whole purpose for existing and being born is in the womb of the lady who's speaking right now, which means this. Let me take a side note for a second. Babies can hear. Babies can sense. And babies can feel joy in the womb. All right, many of us, um, many of us, you know, need to accept this reality for a moment. That some, if if you experience in the womb screaming and all kinds of traumatic things, like some that can have, can not always does, but can have a, a, a thing, a significant impact on your life. I know John the Baptist here. He's hearing and he's feeling and he's sensing and he's responding as an infant in the womb. All right. All right. Good. Man, I'm glad this is landing. Um, now, I want to talk about, though, uh, about a good theology of Mary because, because this passage, in my opinion, is saying that Mary is most blessed among women. And my question on this is, why is Mary most blessed among women? And here's the answer is because Mary is the only woman in history who gets to give birth to God. You see this? All right? That is why she is most blessed. She is the one woman in history that gets to give birth to the eternally begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Amen? 
But Mary must still operate in faith. You see this in, in verse 45. Elizabeth is celebrating Mary's faith. She says, blessed is she who believed, that's Mary, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So I want to say this. Mary, even though she is blessed most among women because she gets to give birth to Jesus, she is not God. All right? She is still a person, blessed as she is, but she is still a person that needs to operate by faith in God. All right? Let me get a, a, a little more uh, intimate for a moment. There's some traditions that hold Mary up so high that she becomes equal with Jesus. And in fact, you can go to the Vatican today and you can see a cross with Jesus hanging on one side and Mary hanging on the other. And they actually call her the co-redemptress. Mary had nothing to do with paying the price to cancel your sins, breaking the curse that is over you since, since the, the beginning, since Genesis, all right? She was highly favored and had the privilege of giving birth to Jesus, but she does not pay for your sins, and you do not pray to her, and you do not ask her to do things and say, I don't know if I really like talking to men so much. I feel more comfortable around women. I think I'm going to pray to Mary. That is not how the Bible talks or teaches in any way. But the Bible does. Let's not do this. Let's not err on the other side and devalue the woman because we're afraid of the, of the oppositional sign, all right? She needs to be in the hall of faith with everybody else Say, now this is a woman who operated in faith and she was willing to say yes and suffer persecution for the craziest story of all time. I'm gonna give birth to God and I'm a virgin, how many people want to carry that one, all right? She's, she's willing to sacrifice her soon-to-be marriage and her reputation in a society. And honestly, listen to this. When, you've, when you, uh, in these days, when you are pregnant out of marriage, you, the, the result of that is a stoning. She's willing to say, hey, God, you've got my yes, no matter what the consequence. So this is a woman full of faith, but she is not God. She does not pay for our sins, but she did carry our Lord. Man, let's, uh, let's honor her in that capacity. Amen? All right? So let's not undervalue. So all of these things here are pointing to what we're calling incarnation. All right? Or God putting on flesh and becoming a man. Incarnation. I want to I be clear on this, though, as I think I was last week, but let's keep being clear that what is happening here at the birth of Jesus is not Jesus being created. Not Jesus being created, but this, what we're looking at here is the birth of Jesus, not the beginning of Jesus. It's the incarnation of Jesus who has eternally existent, who has eternally existed as the eternally begotten Son of God, now stepping into history and putting on skin. This is called the incarnation. This is not where Jesus began. He always began. We've got to be clear on this. This is the real Jesus. Whether you like that or not isn't the question. It is, is are you willing to receive it by faith? All right? So this is where the Lord God took on flesh and became a man. And listen to this. When he ascended back to heaven after he uh, after he purchased us by paying for our sins on the cross, was raised on the third day, then ascended back to heaven. He didn't go back to being how he was before the incarnation. He is eternally now the God-man. 
in the Trinity, the God-man, interceding for us as our high priest to this day. So Christmas is a celebration of the reality that God, who has no beginning or end, put on flesh and dwelt with us. That is the message of Christmas. That is what we're watching here. Now, I read this to us too because I think so, so many of us come from traditions where creeds of the faith were like, it was like eating straw. You're like, oh, I hate this. This is just blah, blah, blah. But the creeds of the faith were actually developed to keep us hot and burning. All right? And so the Nicene Creed I, led, uh, I read last week, the Nicene Creed says this, We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten from the Father, only begotten, that is, from the substance of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Listen, Begotten, not made of one substance with the Father through whom all things came into being, things in heaven and things on earth. And then we said this, that Jesus was not created. He actually is the creator. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by him, that's Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Think about that for a second. This is how great Jesus is. The things that you can see Jesus created the things that you can't see, which there's more of. Jesus created those things by the word and the breath of his mouth. All right? The, those things have a beginning. He does not. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, this is a special passage to me because this shows me, and it should show you, what your purpose in life is. And your purpose in life is not to do something for God. Your purpose, the, calling, the first calling on your life, is not to be a missionary or to be a pastor or be a teacher or anything like that. Your first calling in life is to know that you were made for someone named Jesus. And no matter what job you have, if you don't have that first, every other job will turn into an idol or will turn into uh, the, the calling that you say you're walking in will be so heavy it will crush you. All right? You have to know deep in your heart that anything that I do is because I was made for Jesus and he's calling me into greatness. He's given me a vision and a future that I could never manufacture on my own. But my first thing is to know him, to know the Lord, to know the Lord who created me by himself for himself. I must know him. I must enjoy him. I must magnify him. I must want him. I must delight in him. He must be my everything. For anything else, to have a point. And I think that so many of us, we're missing who the real Jesus is. We actually think that Jesus created us and then wants to help us do something. All right? And that is, that is getting the cart before the horse. God created us to do something, yes, but first we, he's created us to be someone, and it must be someone who treasures Jesus. That's why as a Jesus church, we say, man, we want him to be the treasure of our hearts. We're receiving Jesus through faith, not just as a tool who would get us to heaven, not just a bridge that we walk over, but as the new treasure of our lives that we love over everything else. 
This is what you were made for. Get that right. I'm telling you, you're, it doesn't, when you have that right, just walk happy and free into your future because you've got the first thing first, the foundation, and it's going to be okay. All right? Was that for somebody today? All right. Well, here we see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures then in two ways. Once we have those foundational things cleared, we see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures in two ways. Here's the first way. We see Jesus prophetically. All right. The Bible starts speaking of Jesus before we even really see Jesus in the uh, in the Old Testament, uh, listen, to, uh, listen to this in Genesis chapter 3, 15. Um, this is the, the first, in my opinion, prophetic uh, pointing towards the Messiah coming, being Jesus. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. This is right after the fall. This is right after Adam and Eve, all right, decided that they wanted a life without God where they could make their own decisions. That would be better for them. We make that decision every day, all right? All right, just like our, our first parents here, all right? Uh, but then the second Adam, Jesus comes and fixes all that, amen? But here, look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, here's the curse that's going on first on the serpent. The serpent is Satan, okay? And God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Reading on, it says, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, Commentators today just uh, basically say, hey, there's not a whole lot to that. Mostly what that means is people aren't going to like snakes, all right? Uh, they're going to bite you on the heel, and, you know, and then you're going to step on their head, and it's just going to be, there's going to be a, a constant you know, struggle between people and snakes. I, you know, and I, you know, not tons of people love snakes. I know snakes don't love me. They get intimidated, all right? But, uh, but here we have lost, I want to go back. C.S. Lewis said, for every modern book you read, read three or four old books. When you read the old books from the greats, all right, they, they talk about this passage and they use a word proto-evangelium, all right, proto-evangelium. And the proto-evangelium means this is the first announcement of the gospel. You, you hear this? This is actually, prophetically speaking, the first announcement of the gospel where the enmity, enmity between you and the woman all right, is not just human beings not liking snakes, but the enmity is, hey, through the woman's seed or through the woman's line, I'm going to bring a Messiah that will crush the head of the serpent, that's Satan, even though Satan will, will nick the heel, that's the cross of this Messiah. You see this? Uh, so there's, it's the first announcement of the gospel, but we've got to see from the curse, Jesus is being talked about as the one who will make all of this right. And we also have to see that the gospel is not just Jesus paying for our sins so we can make it to heaven when we die, but it's Jesus crushing Satan in everything that he does. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 says, says this, that through death, he, that's Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Right? This is what Jesus was doing. Jesus died that he might destroy the one. He's crushing the head of the serpent who has the power of death. He's taking back the keys. Satan got the keys in the garden of death and the grave. And Jesus takes them back. 
as the Messiah. Is this good? Then Isaiah uh, chapter 7. So, amen. <laughs> wow. Man, I kind of felt that from here. Woo. Yes, Lord. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 says this. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Now, guys, this is, this is centuries and centuries and centuries. I think I read about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And here, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, in other words, look at this. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name. Now, this is interesting. The, the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. All right. Um, some people also say, hey, that's not pointing to Jesus. Uh, I don't know how they can say that. Uh, but uh, look at Matthew chapter 1. Do you know that good Bible study, you inter interpret Scripture not with feelings or vibes or even dreams. You interpret Scripture with Scripture. You hear this? All right. You interpret Scripture with Scripture. Okay. And then so Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 we see uh, Matthew saying this, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is, this is ange angelic revelation coming to actually this time to Joseph. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Now, this is the prophet Isaiah, centuries prior. And behold, the, this is here, now this is in the New Testament. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So guys, here's what's happening. is the, the linking. We see Jesus prophetically in the Old Testament. It is being confirmed in the New Testament. Even Matthew, the gospel writer here, is telling us this is what Isaiah ultimately meant as he was prophesying this. This is what God ultimately meant as he's using Isaiah to prophesy this. And now Matthew is applying the Old Testament verse to the New Testament reality. This is Jesus. This is happening in front of our eyes. So Joseph... Don't, the angels are saying, don't be worried to take Mary as your wife. All of this is from God. So we see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures uh, you know, prophetically, but we also see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures uh, in, in something called Christophanies. Now, this is a word that I brought up to you last week. Uh, so, uh, and a Christophany is, is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament before his incarnation or before his birth in the New Testament. Uh, some people call these theophanies where you see, you know, God actually showing up on the scene in visible uh, form in the Old Testament. But I love Christophanies. This is, this is Jesus. When you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Amen? So many times in, uh, in the Old Testament, when you read of the angel of the Lord... It is often, in my opinion, Jesus in the Old Testament. And Jesus can be in the Old Testament because he always was. He did not, he was not created, born at the manger to Mary. He always was, he always is, and he will always be. All right? So we see this, the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, but there's a difference between the angel of the Lord and an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord is like Gabriel who shows up to Mary or another angel that shows up sent 
from the Lord or angel of the Lord. This is, this is a, a, a spirit being coming from God, all right, not from the enemy, all right? Um, you know, say no to those, all right? But uh, an angel of the Lord is an angel being sent on God's behalf. The angel of the Lord, is, I'm saying, is a Christophany. It's, it's, it's the Old Testament Jesus showing up on the scene, Okay? The angel of the Lord is treated differently than other angels because, listen to this, the angel of the Lord repeatedly and regularly in the Old Testament scriptures actually receives people's worship. A regular angel won't do that. An angel won't do that. In fact, when an angel shows up and people fall down at their feet, they're like, get up! (laughs) I don't deserve your worship. I'm here on behalf of he who does. Like, here's, here's an angel wishes they could be us, sons and daughters, belonging to God, redeemed, loved. An angel is a created being that, that serves God, blessed to be in his presence, but not a son, not family of God, purchased by blood. That's an angel. The angel of the Lord is differently is different and actually receives people's worship. All right, now look at this. Uh, let's start with Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter five, verse thirteen to fifteen, and then I'm going to go uh, chapter six, verses one and two, and I'm going to read this. Joshua chapter five, verses thirteen to fifteen, and this is Joshua getting ready to. Uh, wage war against Jericho, which was a walled city. And maybe someday we'll talk about this passage in more depth. But when I say walled city, I don't mean like walls like this. I mean walls so thick that they could have chariot races on them, like impenetrable walls, okay? There's no, there's no way you knock these down, uh, you know, physically speaking. But here's, here's what happens. God calls Joshua to take the city and... Uh, he doesn't know how. Listen to the story with uh, chapter 5, verse 13 of Joshua. It says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? Look at verse 14. And he said, No, or in other words, neither. I ain't come here to let you know who I'm for or this or that. that that's the wrong question. He says, I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now, you know that one of the names for God is, is the, the God of angel armies. A regular old angel doesn't say, I am the God of angel armies. I'm the commander of the Lord, all right? A regular angel doesn't say this. He says, I am the commander of the army of the Lord or the army of Yahweh. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth. This is so important here. Joshua, which, which is the Hebrew word for Jesus, meaning the Lord saves. Joshua, all right? And, or, or Yeshua. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. Now he's worship, worshiping the angel. And said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take off, <laughs> take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. That is only mentioned one time before and it's the burning bush. When God appears, not an angel, but the God appears to Moses. Now this is, this is the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord 
the God of angel armies says, hey, take off your shoes. This is Joshua, you're standing on holy ground, and Joshua did so. Let's keep reading two more verses. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. Look at verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. So the Lord is saying, Joshua, hey, listen, listen, not with your strength, but with my strength, I'm giving you the city. Actually, with, with some weird practices, marching and shouting, I'm giving you the city. So we see this, guys, like it is, it is my best study that who Joshua's, Joshua is actually talking to, the pre-incarnate Jesus who commands the armies of the Lord. And if, if Jesus is commanding the armies of the Lord back then, I'm telling you, he, he, he wants to do it now around every Jericho that you're facing in your life today. Hey, anybody? We've got to stop being scared of walls that chariots race on. And we've got to start saying, hey, I can't bring it down, but I know who can. And God can. So this is nothing, nothing is, has, has changed as far as our relationship with God. God is still as powerful as he ever was. And he always will be. All right? And then we see in Judges. Look at Judges. So good. Sorry, there's lots of Bible, lots of Bible study today. I can't apologize for that. All right? Judges chapter 6. Starting with verse 11, this is the call of Gideon. I think so many of us feel like Gideon because uh, we talk a big talk, but when it comes down to it, we're scared like little kids, all right? Like, like little golden doodles. We're scared of everything, all right? And listen to this, though. This is the call of, of uh, Gideon, Judges chapter 6, verse 11 to 14. Then we're going to skip to 20 to 24. Listen to this. Now, the angel... Of the Lord. This is not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. The angel of all caps, L-O-R-D. That's Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. All right. The, um, the this was the holiest name of God, and the scribes wouldn't even put in the vowels. That okay? And they would they would empty their pens of ink and clean it and fill it with fresh ink for every letter when there when there were. Uh, when they were inscripting this name, Yahweh. Now the angel of the Lord, of Yahweh, came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Must be, it's bad times when you're doing wheat stuff in wine presses, right? And look at verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Listen, guys, that's how God talks to us today. All right? That's how God talks when he shows up. Look at verse 13. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why? Right? How many whys do we have in these days? God, if you're with me, why do I feel like that? God, like this. If you're with me, why did you let this happen? All right? Then why then has all this happened to us, and where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Look at verse 14. And the Lord turned to him. Now it's, now, it's not even saying the angel of the Lord. It's saying, and now Yahweh turned to him. <laughs> so this person that he's talking to, originally declared as being the angel of the Lord, is now just saying that Yahweh turned. The Lord turned to him and said, 
Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Now let's skip to verse 20 where it says this. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat. So Gideon wants to make a sacrifice to the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord is okay with that. An angel of the Lord is not okay with receiving a sacrifice to God. And they can't. They can't. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Look at verse 21. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. In other words, he is receiving the worship sacrifice. He is receiving the worship offering. He's consuming it. You see this? And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel, the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. And to this day it still stands. Guys, th- these, are, these are incredible incredible things all throughout scripture that tell us who Jesus actually is. And how many of us would say here today, hey, I, I don't care if I've never heard this before. If the Bible's saying it, I want to learn it, not so my brain will swell, but so I can know the man. I want to know the man. Guys, the reason we're doing this series is because I, I, I want to help us see who Jesus actually is. But I want us to see who Jesus actually is, not so we can argue with adversaries, not so we can win arguments with opponents, but so we can help the world see who Jesus actually is. I promise you, he's better than he looks to the world. He's better than he looks. Um, if, you, if you read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, you see that, uh, that Paul says that, that uh, Israel was being led through the wilderness at the Exodus when they're through the wilderness for 40 years, all right? Israel was being led through the wilderness by Christ, he says. It's Christ who led you through the wilderness. How could that be? Well, here's how I take that. Jesus was the cloud by day that protected them from the sun. Jesus was the fire by night that kept them warm. Jesus was the water from the rock that kept them alive. This was Jesus showing up in the Old Testament, taking care of his people. And then I'm going to just wrap things up with this. This is John chapter 8, verse 56 to 58. And this is just so good. Jesus is arguing with Pharisees. I love when he does, I love it when he does this. I love when he says, hey, Pharisees, listen, listen, I'm dying for your sins too, but you're leading so many people away from my heart, making rules. I am here to be the fulfillment of all the rules. I'm not burdening people with rules they could never keep, all right? And he's correcting these Pharisees. And in John chapter 8, verse 56 to 58, let me read this. He is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Look at verse uh, 57. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? 
Guys, know your biblical timeline here, okay? Abraham wasn't on the scene. Abraham was, was like, like a zillion years that way, all right? All right, Abraham has been long gone. And here Jesus is talking like he and Abe are friends. And, and the Pharisees are saying, wait a second, what, you're 32? You're not even 50. Even if you were 50, you wouldn't be close to being friends with Abraham or knowing him personally. Have you seen Abraham? Look at verse 58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, man, you've got to, you've got to perk up and behold when Jesus says truly, truly. This is double true. Truly, truly. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, Jesus says. Before Abraham ever was, I am. Let the confusion that Jesus never claimed to be God die right here where it belongs. Just die. Nobody's ever said this before. Even the very words I am are the words that we get for God himself, Yahweh. All right? He's, he's testifying to who he's always been, who he is there, and who he's always been and who he always will be. And so they, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple because it wasn't his time to die. Why do the Pharisees want to kill Jesus? Because Jesus has just claimed to be God, friends with Abraham, the father of their faith. So here we are, guys. If it's not enough that you read it in the Old Testament from Isaiah or from Joshua or from, or from all, all the others, if it's not enough that Matthew picks up on this, if it's not enough that Elizabeth, the, the, the cousin to Mary, or Mary and Joseph themselves say who Mary is, is pregnant with, who, who Mary is giving birth to, if that's not enough, and if it's not enough that all the lives that have been changed since then by the presence and power of this man, Jesus, if it's not enough for you, just listen to it from Jesus' mouth himself. He says, before Abraham was, I am God. He is saying, I am God. Jesus testifies to himself. Testifies to himself. And then, guys, when you get all of that evidence, and it was just given out over a few minutes and probably too much, it's like it's too much. You're going to have to meditate on this. But I just want you guys, I just wonder if there's some people here that you've been secretly struggling. You, you even come here a lot, but you've been secretly struggling. Is this Jesus who he actually says he is? is this can this Jesus do what we sing he can do? Is, is this Jesus worth being a Jesus church for, is this all real? I, I just want to tell you guys, there couldn't be anything more real than the eternally begotten Son of God putting on skin and bones and stepping into the world, dying for our sins, being raised from the uh, grave, ascending back to heaven as, as our high priest that intercedes for us constantly and will be our soon coming king. This time he won't return as a, as a baby in humility, but he will return as the, as the warrior Christ on a white horse, sword in hand like we've seen him before for his people, for his sons and daughters, for his bride. And guys, my question this morning to you is, do you want to know him? Do you want to know him? That's my question this morning. 
It's, it's not can you recite facts about him, but that is, that is not it. You're not going to do a test at when you stand before God on your, on your dying day. And God is not going to quiz you. How many can say amen, to, a hearty amen to that? Quizzes will die, all right? When heaven starts, man, quizzes will be gone. God is not a principle that wants to judge you. God is, God is not looking just for right answers. What God, what God wants is did you trust him? Was your faith in him? Did you receive all that he is? Did you receive all that he purchased for, for you by faith, not by works? It's just grace, guys. How many people say, I need grace? Every waking moment of my life, I need grace. Guys, this is, the, this is where it comes from. And so some of us, this, uh, this morning, I think, here's the Christmas cry, is the Christmas cry is, I want to know this Jesus I want to know him. Not what Nat Geo says about him. Not what the screwed up History Channel says about him. They get it wrong so much. What the word of God says about Jesus. I want to know that man. Can you just tell the Lord that in your own way in your hearts this morning? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for years, but you're, the, the flame of your heart has gone down to a flicker. And maybe this is a day for you to say, Jesus, just burning in my heart. I want all of my desire to be for you. And then maybe you're here today. And you are not anti-Jesus, but you have never put your faith in Jesus as your treasure, as your savior. You've never said, you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, you are the one who came to save. I put all my eggs in your basket, I put everything in you, I put all of my faith in you, I'm trusting you, not myself, to save me. And today can be a day when you just say, Jesus, I want to be yours, would you save me? Would you save me? Just let it. I'm not going to make anybody like run to the front and stuff. You can if you want, all right? I'm not going to hold you back. But just God can find you where you're at. And you can tell him right now, I just want to be yours. Save me. Just put, I, forgive me of my sins. I turn from you with, with Adam. And I just receive the second Adam, Jesus Christ, who always was, who is right now and always will be, just as my Savior and as my Lord. God, would you, Holy Spirit, would you seal what you're doing in hearts right now? Just seal it, seal it, put new hope, God. Like we were singing earlier, that, uh, songs that bring your hope. God, sing the angelic songs that bring your hope. Sing it over your people here this morning. God, let us see Jesus for who he actually is. Jesus, we want to see you as our Lord and our Savior. Not just a good guy that gave a great example but as God in the flesh. God, we thank you for what you've done. We thank you for the price that you pay. And I just pray, Jesus, just minister to your people now. Minister, walk among us. Walk in this room. Get our attention, God. We bless you. We, we thank you for your word. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out our Sermon of the Week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app, or visit us at providencecommunity.org.